LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. You're very welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. David Sheehan with you until 5 o'clock. Now, we see things they'll never see. Tells the story of Vinnie Perth's first season in charge of Dundalk FC, which saw the Lily Whites retain the SSE Artistry League title and go agonisingly close to completing an unprecedented clean sweep of all five domestic trophies. The man responsible for putting the book together is well-known local journalist and the man behind Dundalk Sport, Gavin McLaughlin. And he joins me in studio now. Um, Gavin, congratulations, first of all, on the book. Um, you have, I suppose, all this success. It's great for the likes of yourself that you put these together. You have a couple of them here. We'll, we'll uh, we'll have a question later on for people that they can they can uh, text in and win but um, it must be um, a fantastic feeling to, to have it done and I would say a fairly tight turnaround for you given that the cup final was at the start of November yeah it's the lucky enough David it's the fifth one fifth book I've done the last six years and luckily enough the club won the league title in those in each of those seasons um, it was a quick turnaround to be honest I was happy to leave it at four books that covered the sort of Stephen Kenny uh, title winning title winning seasons but I think it was back in August when Georgie Kelly scored the winner against Derry in the FAI Cup quarter final, I think it was. And I remember saying to myself, God, I better I better get right in here because it looked like at that stage obviously Dundalk were, were fighting on all fronts and advancing in every competition. So it was a quick turnaround to get it done and get it out, but um the way the season panned out, I am glad I'm glad I did do it. And as I say I say with these things, the the, the true value will probably only be seen in 10, 15 years when, you know, we, we know what football is like success can be cyclical and yeah. obviously we, we all want this to last forever but it won't so it, it'll be great looking back in years to come and, and, and remembering what, what's what been a, an incredible period for, yeah. for Dundalk and just looking through it there because I'd only seen the pictures of it online and I know you had the launch the other night as well but you brought in a couple of copies as I said and uh, we'll give them away today on the show but it's a fantastic um, piece of work like it's a big chunky like it's it's not a small book it must have taken a lot of work I presume you were kind of working away in this as the season went along obviously you weren't you, of course you didn't go doing it right at the very end so you were kind of just chipping away at it and then once the cup final was done and dusted you were you were fairly kind of hitting the deadline at that point I would imagine yeah it was as I say it was it was mid-August when myself and grandson design um, Killian Walsh and Jake Heavey this is the as I say this is the fifth book we've we've done together um, we had a couple of meetings during the summer and you know they were asking was I going to do one as I say I wasn't really I wasn't really I wasn't really too bothered in doing one I, I, was, I was happy enough to leave it at the this sort of Stephen Kenny era but we had a couple of meetings and it was like right we it's all, it's all hands to the pump now to get this done but it was originally supposed to be 264 pages like last year's and then obviously when the dogs going on and they're getting the cup finals and the, the EA Sports Cup final for example was in September you have to give that enough you know you, you want to give that enough course. enough space in the book so it was actually the, the hardest thing was we had to leave bits out at the end um, but these things I suppose you can go you can you can just keep going, yeah. But um, yeah, we're delighted with how it turned out. Every every book we've tried to make it better than the previous one. And I think if you if you go back to the one in twenty fourteen and look at this one, I think you can see that there's there's been an improvement in each one. Um, just because I've my my own foray into the the writing world this year myself, yeah. and I was chatting to uh, Adrian Russell who did the, the book about the double, the cork double, and he said even even with the version he's got now, he says he says there's already like loads of things I would do differently or I would change. Did you find that, you know, you and I would I would say the same myself as well, I suppose. But did you find you know versus this one versus the one in 2014 have you learned a lot in terms of even like how to put it together your your own kind of writing style how what things work better than others or what have you kind of learned over those years because I'm the, sure you've done a lot well the first three the first three 2014 2015 and 16 they were just they, they were literally just a review match by match review of the of the season it was myself and Kieran Culligan local photographer so we'd we'd literally a match report and bit of reaction from each game and it was just you know that was the the sort of 
the, the layout of it for the, for the last two for last year's and this year's I sort of wanted to tell more of the story of the season and you know how it unfolded because you know yourself there's a lot of stuff that happens not just on match night um, at a club stuff that you know might be going on during the week or off the field so I sort of changed it the, the format from the first three to, the, to these two and yeah there is looking back I, I wish I had probably started it earlier and, and sort of wrote it as it was going instead of sort of you know having to go back two or three months and trying to remember stuff but it's, it's like everyone I'm sure every book you, you could do a hundred books and you'll probably you'll probably learn something from each one and you know it's been kind of do- talked about so much now that run that they went on 31 games whatever it was unbeaten but um, after those two games back to back which we've discussed several times were the only two games I covered all season yeah, and the two exactly. games they were beaten in against St. Pats and Rovers but like that 13 point deficit I was chatting to um, Chris Shields and Patrick McElhenney at an event in the dock there last Thursday night and you know they they said they never kind of you know gave up and I think there was a couple of games in hand they had at that point as well so it wasn't like just as clean cut as that but still in all like 13 points did you and I remember you were there that night yourself and we were chatting afterwards did you feel at that point that it was it was gone or did you still believe I know Johnny Ward a few other lads have gotten stick for saying it was all over yeah, but no. it looked like it was it looked like it was really on the ropes at that stage it did to be honest and, and I actually I wrote that after the, the game in, the game in Sligo where it just just they didn't look themselves um, I, I remember 2017 when after the year after they went on a great European run did a lot of injuries at the start of the season there was sort of an overhang from the the, the, the sort of late the late, the, the sort of delay in finishing the 2016 season, and I had to bring in a lot of new players at that stage and sort of throw them in when they weren't really ready. And I sort of got that same feeling this year that there was a lot of injuries. Obviously, Robbie Benson, Patrick McElhenney in the the first first night of the season, so a lot of new players were thrown in a lot earlier than a lot earlier than expected. And at that stage, Rovers were. They started really well. The dog had two games in hand, so it was 13 points, but the dog had two games in hand. But I remember thinking, this is just, you know, the Rovers might be over the hill and, and gone by the time by the time Dundalk sort of recover. But in fairness, they dug in, and I don't think anybody was in Sligo that night when they seen the, 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 the defeat would have imagined that they would have gone on a club record 31 game unbeaten run. It's, 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 it was a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. But in fairness to Vinny, he came out that night. He fronted up. Um, at that stage, because of the pro license, there was there was sort of games where John Gill might come out and do the media, and we were wondering. I think in the in the showgrounds that night whether Vinny would come out and, and and face up, but he did. He came out and he he manned up. He said it was his responsibility, and it was it was his responsibility fi- to fix the team. And you know, they gradually started digging wins out. I remember the bet Bohemians. I think on the Monday night um, a couple of days after the game and Sligo to bet them in the last minute Patrick Hoban scored a penalty and it was the 95th minute um, it was an absolute steal because Bohemians played them off the park but even that there was a couple of games I think later on in the, the following month where they beat Bowes and Pats in the space of four days with two last minute winners and that was the stage where they were starting to, they were getting players back and they were starting to really you know you, you could see them just starting to click in the gear but as the season went on then they were just just relentless was the word the word you, you could use about them Yeah because I know mean, oh, that, that game down in Sligo I remember Chris Shields was coming back from injury I think he was out doing a bit of a warm up before the game and he was just coming back and he was obviously a big miss and as we saw in the cup final as well um, but yeah like to turn that around and like there was talk again and you know probably you were closer to me but there was talk at the time that maybe Vinny was coming under a bit of pressure from the owners in terms of his job and you know Stephen Kenny had been such a massive figure at Dundalk and when he left the, the season started off so shakily that there was a concern how like how close did you get any sense that, that Vinny's job was on really on the line at that stage or were, were you kind of happy enough that he was they were going to you know stick with him and, and keep faith in him no I, I don't I don't think there was any I don't think there was any 
sort of pressure coming. Obviously, there's internal pressure. They wanted they wanted to do well, but in terms of his job, no. From from the moment Stephen Kenny left, Finney Peart was the the man that the American owners wanted. I think it was a Saturday afternoon when Stephen Stephen Kenny was sort of announced as the, the Irish under twenty one manager. It's sort of well documented. The players were all at Stephen O'Donnell's wedding when when the news broke, and I think the following night, the Sunday night or the Monday night, is one or the other. I just can't remember off the top of my head. The Sunday or the Monday night, there was a meeting in the Ballymascanlan Hotel with all the players were summoned. Vinnie Peart was summoned, you know, and they were told we want Vinnie Peart to to take over. So obviously, you look at succession. You have to look at Manchester United. You look at Liverpool. You know, it's thirty years since they've won a league title. You know, these things. It's it's not it's not a given that you know you you've got a set of players there and somebody comes in and takes over and it's all going to go smoothly. But what he's done, what he's done, like it's 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 the best season that Dundalk managers ever had. Yeah, it was the best start that Dundalk manager ever made to his to to his managerial career. And you think of some of the managers Dundalk have had mm. over the years, and he's actually gone and eclipsed that. You know, so. Mm. Uh, at that stage, there was a lot of grumbling, but I think it was I think it was more from outside than dark rather than internally. Just to, to move away from the book for a moment, you mentioned their um, peak six, the American owners. The um, Dundalk's accounts were published during the week, and they show a loss of six hundred and eighty thousand for the year ending November thirtieth, twenty eighteen. That deficit, which covers the first year of peak six ownership, is up considerably on a net loss of eighty two thousand from the previous financial record. Obviously, there's lots of different factors uh, to go into it. There's a lot of travelling to European games, that kind of stuff. So it's not just as, as black and white, no pun intended, as the as the, <laughs> as the figures show, maybe. But um, would you be concerned? or What have you made, I suppose, broadly of the, the Peak 6 ownership so far? Because I know when they came in first, they had the press conference and you know it was all kind of very impressive. But a lot of people were a little bit sceptical about what the motives were. What have you made of them now since they've been there like over a year now at this point? What I would say, David, is they haven't... They haven't Done it. They haven't sort of gone back on what they said it on on, the, on that night in Oriel Park in February, I think it was twenty eighteen. They said that any investment would be put into the playing squad and for the players. And I think you can see in the figures that are after coming out. People forget that in twenty seventeen, Cork won the, le- the the league and cup. At that stage, Dundalk were still training in the evenings. Mm. You know, Finney Peart was still you know he was the assistant manager, but he'd a part he a full time job basically. In twenty eighteen. When the, when the Americans came in, the club made a conscious decision to go full-time, as in full-time staff, you know, Stephen Kenny, Vinnie Peart, the players now, they're all training in the morning, for mm. example. At that stage, even some of them were, were working evening jobs. Mm. You, you think back to 2016, of course, Dave McMillan, he was an architect and he's scoring goals in the Champions League. So there was a conscious decision made to, to sort of, to, to catch Cork again and, and take that step that they needed to go they needed this sort of full-time professional mentality. And we've seen that, you know, at the start of 2019, the players come back for pre-season training, new dressing rooms, brand new gym, the new video conferencing room, analytics, the canteen. Mm. A lot of a lot of fans, and obviously I'm I'm the same, I want to see Oriel Park redeveloped and I want to see it, you know, it's just not, it's not fit for standard at the minute, everybody knows that. But in fairness to the owners, they said that when they come in, the playing, the playing side of things was their main that would be, yeah. be the main priority because winning the league obviously brings you to the Champions League, and that's that's where they, with the way the, the draw is now as well, mm. that's where they, that's where the real money is. Mm. So they've stuck to it. I, I don't think anybody can say that they're in Oriel Park that night in February and they promised this and that about the ground because they didn't. So yeah, you look at the loss and you think, yeah, that's for League of Ireland, and we, we see one, obviously what happened with Limerick this week. Mm. You think that's unsustainable, but. There was a big change from 2017 to 2018 and even 
as I say, there was a lot of, I think, five, six hundred thousand of infrastructure put into the, the, the youth development centre to that gym mm. and to the players' change rooms that will only be shown next year. But I think this is the way the, Europe's. We seen we seen what's going on with the FEI at the minute. Yeah. Europe is the only place where where League of Ireland clubs will will make money. Yeah. You know, being in the Champions League gives you another bite of the cherry in the Europa League. There's obviously Europa League two coming in 2021. So, yes, I'm sure people are looking at it being concerned, but you need that investment in the playing mm-hmm. side. I even see the wage bill. I think went up by four or five four hundred thousand. I think from 2017 to 2018, that's been reflected in contracts. I think Patrick McElhenney came back last summer on a three and a half year deal. Andy Boyle's been signing a three and a half year deal. Mm-hmm. That was un, that was unheard of. Yeah, you know, you're still in your your forty two. He contracts exactly. or whatever it was. You, you, you look at it this year. You look at it this year. Even for example, I know that some of the players were back last week. They've been tested for body fats yeah. and stuff. They'll all be back in again next week. Like you look around most of the League of Ireland clubs some of them don't even have yeah. I think Waterford have three players on the contract for example so yes other clubs will be looking and thinking this this isn't sustainable but I think Peak Six are trying to make Dundalk uh, and it's, it's been well documented a European club yeah. that plays in Ireland and I think this is a sign that you know get the playing side first mm. and hopefully hopefully progress in Europe will sort of you know bring the, the riches that the that was their that sort of yeah. those figures look you know and just remind people then on the on the, the Oriel Park situation briefly like where where are we at with that because obviously there was the ownership issue which went back a while that was sort of resolved but wh- wh- where is it at at the moment in terms of the Oriel Park situation and and what might potentially happen there well the club the club of the lease on Oriel Park obviously the Casey family own own Oriel Park there, there was problems I think it was up to 2017 towards the end of 2017 the club sort of took ownership of the lease again so. It's it's basically the clubs to, to to do whatever they want, but I think Mike Tracy, the chairman, has said that you know Peak Six aren't willing to to do it all on their own. Um, they're looking for government help. The problem, obviously, at this moment in time, is we've got a national football organisation who, if you look at it, are between fifty five and eighty five million in debt. Yeah. So there's there's nothing going to be done there. Mm. You look, and, and that's going to impact on Andrade United as well. There's, well, there's a lot of clubs yeah. impacted by that. I suppose the only good thing. And if you can say it's a good thing, is that the the League of Ireland is so underfunded by the FAI that yeah. th- the problems that the FAI are having probably won't affect the league that much. Mm. If if it was a league that was heavily reliant on FAI funding, we'd be in serious trouble. But mm. like we, we go back to the prize money, one hundred twenty thousand. Yeah, it's not really going to affect things that much. Where it will affect it is, as you say, draw this new stadium. If if the dock had you know wanted to. FAI sort of assistance to go with to go with government assistance. Mm. I'm sure that's that's going to be hard now, but I think there is a willingness there from the owners. I think they, they do know, you know, like everybody knows yeah. that the ground's not fit for purpose. Mm. They're from a country where the stadiums are, you know, incredible. You you think of even the college stadiums over there. So I think they do know that there is upgrades needed, but it's it's whether they can get that sort of assistance to. As we see with the the, the GA Stadium yeah. in Dundalk, where it's GA, it's part council and it's part yeah. like yeah. GA themselves. So. Oh yeah, I suppose we'll just have to. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll we'll see it in the near future. It's hard to say, as you say, that the the, the FAI situation has kind of thrown another spanner in the works there. And um, just talking about the the you know the the season just gone and looking ahead to the new season, already a few new faces um, have come in. Where do you think you know Dundalk need to, to need to strengthen? Obviously, they're they're a, a pretty settled squad there at the moment, and especially across the back, you know they're a very solid kind of back four that. 
unit seems to have been together a long time and they have players that can come in and out now they have a good bit of depth in the squad but where would you like to see them improving do they need does Pat Hoban maybe need a handout in terms of goal scoring load or where, where do you think they need to bring lads in I think that's something you, you, you could probably throw that at them though even over for the last three or four years that you know there was always the one main striker and whether whether there's sort of a plan B or a different option Georgie Kelly and Pat Hoban are very similar players I think when you go back to Dave McMillan and Kieran Gilduff it was they're very similar as well Vinny, Vinny Pert said they're looking for another striker sort of somebody who can give them that sort of different option maybe a bit more pace up front but in fairness I think Pat, Pat, Pat Hoban's been unlucky this year because I go back to the injuries there was one of the games earlier on in the season the five midfielders that started the FEI Cup final in 2018 were all out injured now you think any team in the world and take not only two, three midfielders but take the, the, the full midfield out any team's going to have problems I think it was only towards the sort of back end of the season when everybody was back and fit that you could see them dog sort of at the at the free-flowing best so I think Pat Pat Hoban he had a lot of assists but I think the likes of Patrick McElhenney been missing for a long part of the season Jamie McGrath was missing for a long part of the early season I think that did affect his sort of his sort of goals but I think they're, they're looking for another another winger um, I think Zach Albazudi is the, the, the name that's been mentioned I don't think it's any secret that, that Vinny would love to have him the, the prospect of him in one wing and Michael Duffy in the other and that's that's pretty that's pretty scary. Daryl Lee is going to be a fantastic addition. Dane Massey and Brian Gartland, Chris Shields, all those lads have been there from the start. I'm not saying they've been phased out, but you know they're starting to look at bringing in sort of mm. you know players who can who can challenge them and push them. I think midfield's the main area um, where where you'd be looking to to really strengthen. Greg Sloggett's obviously arrived. who's a who's a fantastic player. He was he was excellent with Derry, excellent with UCD. I think he he's a player who can go straight into the team, and I think that's what he'd be looking for. I think when the Presidents Cup comes around in February, I wouldn't be surprised if there was two two or three new names in the start eleven. Mm. In February this year, when they played Cork. The, the start eleven was the same team that started the FA Cup final and a couple of months before that. I, I think when the season starts, I think there'll be two or three new faces in the in the Dundalk starting eleven. Just okay. to just to sort of freshen it and and give that sort of bit of It's all about as they say, it's all about strengthening when you're on top as yeah, well, isn't it? That's, that's, that's the thing. Um I'm just gonna we're gonna give away a couple of copies of the book as I said. So you might just have a quick think there, Gavin, if you can think of a little question we can pose to our to our listeners before we wrap the interview up. Um I have to ask you, we see things they'll never see, obviously a line from an Oasis song. Yeah. Uh, is that is that where the inspiration came from for the title? Yeah, it was a to be honest, I think it was in 2016 after they, they won the league, the knock won the league, the fans had a banner on the pitch saying, we see things they never see. And I remember thinking back then it was good, but it was more to, we were thinking of something to go with nearly the picture in the front. And it's Finney sort of looking at the trophy. We decided to put Vinnie Pert on the front cover mm. this year because, you know, obviously it's his first season at it. Yeah. Um, and as I say, I had that link to to the banner from a couple of years ago so yeah no, I'm, I'm delighted I'm a big Oasis fan as well so uh, it's nice to nice to put it somewhere absolutely no, it's, it looks fantastic as I said it's, um, I'm, I was I'm surprised by the size of it when you brought it yeah. in it's, it's very impressive so have you got a, a question that comes to mind you might want to post to our listeners you can, they can text us in 086-1800-658 is the number and uh, Gavin's going to give us a little teaser here now to um, give away two copies of his book we see things they'll never see let me see I suppose how many what was the what was how many games 
how many domestic games did Dundalk go unbeaten right. in 2019? And if you were paying attention, we did mention it earlier on. Yeah, okay. So how many games unbeaten did Dundalk go in uh, the season earlier on? And I know, do you want to just let people know where they can pick it up or where yeah. the book's available? I know it's available uh, up in Dundalk and a lot of different places, but uh, hopefully if you if you win this, you won't have to go out and buy it yourself. But um, it's really impressive. I do love these um, these books with lots. I, I have to say, I do like lots of pictures in yeah. the book, but uh, there's some great images in there. And um, really really nicely designed as well it's just uh, it just looks really really well a lot of black and white some some colour pictures in there um, some nice kind of quotes and it's really kind of stylishly finished I have to say yeah that's as I say we just I didn't want to just write a book and you know but I think you need the pictures I think there's nearly 200 pictures in it and say a picture paints a thousand words mm. so um, the, the massive word of thanks to all the photographers I think there's six seven maybe there's up to ten different photographers that we've used and Kieran Culligan obviously is a local one a couple other locals Ben McShane so you know it's great to sort of have that you know flavour of, of mm. different images and yeah we're delighted as I say Grandson Design in fairness they put a lot into it a lot of thought into what way they want it to look a lot of thought into the co- into the colours it's used for example so as I say like it's the fifth book we've done they trust them at this stage so, and we're, we're very proud with how it turned out and I know did you, did you want to uh, remind people where they can pick it up it's uh, it's available up in Dundalk and you know, Coffee Time and a few other places up there and they yeah. can get it on, on Dundalk Sport as well on your website right if you want to, you can get it online at dundalksport.ie but it's it's there's not many places in Dundalk you won't get it um, it's available from the club shop at Oriel Park so you say Coffee Time Park Street Brodigan's Londis in the Quay uh, Joe's there in the Green Gates on the Dublin Road Muckings Petrol Station on the Carrick Road Gold Star Jewellers Row River Books The Works Barbers Felda Health Fitness and Spa Mason Green Acres all over um, it's, it's, it's everywhere everywhere in the dock you won't be able to move for, for copies of that no. book well listen yeah do you want to wrap something up there I suppose David the one thing one thing I do want to say is Jim Murphy passed away yesterday yeah. um, and I think everybody anybody who's any interest in the League of Ireland or any interest in the dock football club will know the the impact that Jim Murphy's made he's obviously he was the club historian he wrote two amazing books on the club The History of the Oak FC and his miscellany that came out a couple of years ago come on the town there was a there was an exhibition in a museum a couple of years ago that he helped put together I remember the the documentary of the Dundalk Linfield game in 1979 yeah. a massive part that was brilliant that. actually yeah the reason I've started writing books is because of Jim Murphy Jim, if Jim Murphy hadn't wrote written books I wouldn't have he, he opened the door and mm. I sort of just continued on yeah. um, a massive part of the club's history um, a massive part of Dundalk his legacy will, will be forever remembered he's from a great family I know Rory his son um, very well I went to college with him massive massive Dundalk family and as I say I wouldn't I wouldn't be sitting here talking about a book of Ozen for, for Jim Murphy so I'd just like to pass condolences on to the, to the, to the Murphy family and I think everybody in Dundalk We'll, we'll miss Jim sadly so absolutely yeah, and we certainly echo that as well very sad loss as well well listen Gavin thanks so much for popping in to talk about the book and the very best of luck I'm sure it'll fly out the door you might be having to run run another few uh, few prints of it before uh, before you satisfy the demand but hopefully uh, it'll go very well for you and maybe who knows there might be a sixth one next year huh? <laughs> well start, I think it's all right now to save the, <laughs> the last minute rush thanks, listen Gavin thanks for popping in cheers we'll take a quick commercial break LMFM Sunday Sport your sport your station